I was getting a flood of memories um, from the late 70s when I first started coming here to Grace, um, you know, until now. And of course, many, many faces, and many have gone on to be with the Lord. Um, can't wait to see them in heaven. And, uh, and it's, it's incredible just uh, to keep seeing how God is blessing and keeping uh, a thriving, missions-minded church a great light here in Syracuse uh, going all these years. Um, these are our roots. Debbie and I met on a Friday night, um, 1982, um, and uh, we were married in 83, and as they say, the rest is history. Pointed in 86, uh, married to be missionaries, and now here we are 2016. And uh, just incredible uh, how precious it is to, to be here and to see God's hand uh, on our home church. I've got a book out there. It's uh, 30 Stories in 30 Years, Great Escapes from Death, or just Escapes from Death. They weren't great. They, we just, just <laughs> I thought they were great at the time. 11th Hour Deliverances, Miracles, and Other Missionary Adventures. Um, Please get one of the books. I don't want to haul them all over the place. Uh, if you don't have the money, whatever you have, if you don't have anything, just take one. That's only going to go for the home church. I'm not doing that in any other church. But uh, please, uh, because you're part of that whole story, and uh, we're so appreciative uh, of you doing it. I started this project seven years ago, 25 stories in 25 years, but we missed that date. And I don't know if I can make it to 40. Uh, although I'm hoping for 50 years, I really want 20 more years in Ecuador, or if God tarries, amen? <laughs> and Debbie said, amen. Yeah, she says the grandkids are coming. That's always the hard thing. But um, please, uh, take one of our newsletters. We have a special edition newsletter I never do a 12-page newsletter. Please take these rascals. They're heavy. I don't want to call it heart, heart those around either. Uh, they're in the table back there. Um, but uh, thank you so much for supporting us. I'm going to let Debbie come up and share for a few minutes, and then I'll be back, and I've got a, a video. So That's good. That's all right. Somebody fix that flower. It's going to drive me nuts through the whole service. I'll take, I'll take care of it. So this is the one that is the 12-page newsletter. We uh, had it printed in Ecuador. It's all color. It's more of a photo display of the 30 years. And uh, that's for free. This is his book. Um, it's actually subtitled Escapes from Death, 11th Hour Deliverances, Miracles, and Other Missionary Adventures. And it's kind of like a diary, sort of like Jim Elliott wrote a diary. And I would just like to publicly say that it is not easy to be the wife of one of these kind of people. <laughs> not to mention the five kids, but that's just a little sideliner. And uh, so I got up this morning... True story is we got kicked out of my daughter's house. We had a baby 12 days ago, so the other in-laws wanted to come, and Alicia goes, Mom, can you go stay at a hotel? 
Yes, I'd love to stay at a hotel. So we're at a hotel right now, and I got up and used the business center's thing to write this because it's very important to um, give you a little history as we were talking about history. So this is just a brief thoughts, some thoughts, and some of your names are in it, so uh, listen up. In December of 1981, I started attending Grace Assembly. My older sister, my oldest sister, Bev, had been attending here with her husband and two children. We were raised Episcopalian, and frankly, I needed a real relationship with Jesus. Four months later, I would be downstairs at a women's Bible study with a group of ladies when Pastor Sorge would come down and tell me my mom had died. I was 24. That morning, Lori Stafford's grandmother, Terry Ray, I knew I couldn't get through without crying, said she would be my adopted mother. She, along with Gladdy Wiggins, were like mothers to me, along with Irma Sorge, who would, we would affectionately call Mama Sorge. Later that fall, in September, I met Tim Anderson after a missionary came to speak on a Sunday night. He knew I had a degree with some high level of Spanish, so he told me he had a missions call to Central or South America to go work at Puerto Rico Teen Challenge and asked me if I would tutor him Spanish. I was teaching special education in Oswego for BOCES at the time, but I agreed to help him with his Spanish. At that time, we had these small groups on Wednesday nights called Lay Leadership Studies. Two of our groups were small that night, so they merged them. I was in one group, and Tim was in another. That night, the main focus question was, what do you think is God's call on your life? Tim mentioned that night that he felt he was called to be a missionary. He was 27 years old. I heard, excuse me, I said I had heard on WMHR that week these words, And what happened was I turned on the radio, and this was the sentence. We need trained teachers to go to South America and share Christ with children in our summer programs. That's exactly what came on the radio. This organization was Child Evangelism Fellowship. I never did go with them, but I had also felt that somehow missions would be in my future. To give you perspective over the years being at Grace... Our leadership when I was young those days were Fred Spurbeck, Ellen Monagle, Bill McLaughlin, and Brother Glass, Brother Sorge, Pastor Charlie Semple, and now Brother Doug. I met my husband, married him here, dedicated two or three of our children here, attended many baby showers here, and have attended many weddings and funerals here myself. I instituted and taught four-year-olds children's church That first year, I had Brandon Samuel. Karen Oliveri was a toddler. I taught girls Sunday school to Lori Marco Stafford, the Pitcamity girls, and Shelly Oliveri. Tim taught the youth in Sunday school to boys like, and you'll all laugh at this one, Mike, Dave, and Brian Powell. We had powerful Sunday night services. I remember Polly's conversion at the age of 15. Pregnancies and baby showers included me being pregnant alongside Debbie Sidall, Pam Altman, Chris Severance, and Sandy Gonsalves. Chris was a missionettes director, and Jim Sidall was the Royal Ranger director for as long as I can remember back. I'm talking decades, folks. They, they're beyond the 30-year mark. Yes. 
beyond the 30-year mark. I have vivid memories of Paul Marco faithfully, and I put that in capitalized, faithfully bringing his granddaughters, Jen and Lindsay, to church Sundays and Wednesdays, holding their little hands. Those little girls must have been three. Every single Sunday and Wednesday, I remember that. I attended the baby dedications of many young people who are in leadership here today. When you come back to a place you call your church home, so many, many memories flood your mind. God totally healed me from very deep bitterness against my father right here at this altar. Tim brought the Syracuse Teen Challenge guys here Sunday nights for years and years. They would sing loudly, and they would cry out. Debson all and I learned how to cry out at this church. And if you don't know what it means to cry out, it means to yell and scream and plead and holler at Jesus with all the lungs that you capacity you have. I fondly remember my wedding right here, July 2nd, 1983. Some of the attendees include Jim and Deb Siddall, Dave and Pam Altman, some of the Oliveri clan, the Rays, Hank Slank, who is here visiting today, and Hank, in case, wave your hand, Hank. His suit was custom made in Ecuador for 120 bucks. Thank you very much. Yes, we have good suits there. And he's, but the great thing is, he must have been 50. He's still wearing it today. So that's good, Hank. He's just a spry 29. Um, thank you, Grace Assembly. No, wait, let's just up a little bit. Mm, yes. Also, okay, this, the Hank Slank, who's visiting here today. Grace and Trinity Assemblies teamed up early in the 90s to bring a team of guys to Ecuador. I believe Jim Sadal led that team. Bill Senecal was a part of that team. Ask them to sign our book for you. That's page 74, Bill Senecal. You can give autographs. This church is probably instrumental in having helped plant much of our churches, our Quito Teen Challenge, as well as the amazing work going on in the Amazon with the Shuar Indians. Um, Grace Assembly also helped us our first term with a huge $8,000 tent. Our first term, that tent was used hundreds of times. It finally fell apart this last five years. Only heaven will reveal how many, many Ecuadorians are in heaven due to the gracious giving of the membership of Grace Assembly. Finally, on a special closing note, Doug DeMent and Tim were ordained together in Grace Assembly in 1986. Cindy and I are both special educators. Our daughters, as PKs and MKs, met at the New York District PKMK retreat. Doug, when he was a DYD, that's, he was the youth director for New York State, he granted permission for Alicia to attend when she was only 14 and a half, and we were on a furlough, and I remember asking Doug if she might be given permission to go, albeit that she was not yet 15. He granted that request. I was going to push her to come. Her baby is only 12 days old, but I thought, what the heck, she should just be here so we could just get the whole family here. You know, the baby's out. Everything's fine. She's like, Mom, I cannot bring the baby out. So anyways, she's not here. Thank you, Grace Assembly, for building into our lives, for supporting God's work in Ecuador, for 30 years of giving and praying and even going. 
Thank you to the structures in place at the time in the early 80s that invested training and discipleship in our lives. I wanted to write this out so I could read a portion of all that this church means to us. Grace Assembly is a solid, thriving church. It is a place of security, growth, and anointing. Thank you from all seven of us Andersons. Thank you to Pastor Doug, to the church board, leadership, and staff, and of course to all of you, the congregation. You have, along with the Lord, kept us on the mission field. Jesus thanks you, and we do too. We're going to show a video here. It's about uh, eight minutes or so, and it will... We don't have the video. We have a problem with the computer. Well, forget the video. Life goes on as we know it. If you get it, if you get it fixed up later, let me know. Um, I've got lots of material. We've got 30 years of material to go through, and we've got a short time. <laughs> My Lord. What is the world coming to? Hang on to hang on to that. Fl- yeah, hang on to that. Fl- <laughs> Free at last. Um, so please, please get the book. Um, I showed the, also a picture of the Grace team that came and built the Kawa Church and in the jungle. That is a whole story in itself. And a picture of the guys there on that team, so please uh, take note of that. Um, last thing, and uh, Jim, you'll let me know if the video ever gets going. If it doesn't, it's no big deal. I'm trying to raise funds for a Teen Challenge truck that I use in the jungle. I've got 200,000 miles on my uh, old truck. The, the roads are going deep jungle now. I can go 20 miles in before I had to walk that. That was a... 12-hour hike for me to have to come out, um, and so it saves me incredible flight expense. I come in with the truck all the time now and uh, need to raise about $12,000 more to get the truck. I've raised fifteen. I need 12 more. Pray about that, that that happens, um, and because that is a huge need. All kinds of things are... are the video is, is going on. Okay, well, let's show the video. Should, is this thing in the way here? Should I get this thing down? Wow, that's heavy. That's a heavy thing here. All right, we'll just leave it here. Hi, we're Tim and Debbie Anderson, Assembly of God World Missionaries since 1986. The last 30 years we've served here in Ecuador. We have the jungle ministry with schools and churches, the Teen Challenge, and also have uh, worked in various capacities in the seminary. Hi, my name is Debbie. I'm Tim's wife. Uh, We've been married 33 years. 30 of those have been in missions. We have five children. Um, I spent a good number of years raising the kids, homeschooling them, and then they went into the Alliance Academy International, and that is where I worked for 13 years. We just want to say thanks for your faithful prayers and financial support that have kept us here for 30 years. Thank you. Hi, 
Tim Anderson here, Assembly of God missionary since 1986 in our second village that we founded 28 years ago, Kumai, in the southern jungles of Ecuador. Uh, just excited to be part of what God's doing here in the jungle. We've got about uh, four schools with 400 students that we teach uh, the Bible to every day. We have a high school of 30 students teaching computer skills. And we have about 60 villages currently that we're visiting with different leaders uh, throughout the two provinces, uh, Morono Santiago y Pastaza province here in Ecuador. Please continue to pray for us. They're incredible open doors uh, for us, even to the frontier of the Achuars, uh, two and three day hikes from here. Um, other villages around us that are opening to the gospel, the highway, the primitive road has come in the last year or so, and we're making great inroads. Um, Thank you so much for your faithful support all of these 30 years since we've been missionaries and, Lord willing, uh, years to come to see much more of the gospel coming into these parts. Thank you so much. Me llamo Tikajekai Cristobal Mashumar. Soy de la comunidad Kumay y, bueno, gracias a Dios que me ha cambiado muy diferente en el nombre de Jesús, el Evangelio de Jesucristo. Me ha cambiado muy diferente en mi vida, por lo que muy antes fui muy, muy avicioso de, de la droga y más de, de los alcoholes fuertes, me ha cambiado muy diferente. Antes estuve en un oscuro y ahora me siento que yo he ido en, con una luz muy, muy diferente que me, me ha cambiado mi Padre amado Jesús. Estamos uh, apoyando a Timoteo Anderson en la obra de Dios. Nuestro motivo es llevar el Evangelio de las Buenas Nuevas a todas las almas necesitadas. Aparte de eso, también llevar eh, un Evangelio integral. Por ahora hemos traído un equipo de trabajo, por ejemplo, un horno para pan, una freidora para salchipapas y muchas cosas para, con el motivo de ayudar para que ellos también tengan un sustento para su ministerio, para su diario trabajo. Anteriormente me dedicaba a tomar mucho alcohol. Había mucha tristeza en mi vida. Gastaba el dinero. Maltrataba a mi esposa. No empecé rápido en el Evangelio, pero poco a poco he ido creciendo. Un buen día entré en la iglesia y reconocí mis pecados, me arrepentí, reconocí mis obras de inmundicia. Ahora han pasado 23 años y sigo adelante con Jesucristo. Él es mi pastor y me siento totalmente feliz, pues Jesucristo me ha cambiado totalmente. Jesucristo me ha perdonado y me ha dado mucha felicidad. Hi, this is Tim Anderson. I'm the director of Teen Challenge here in Quito, Ecuador. We're celebrating 21 years since our foundation. I'm here with all of our workers. Uh, we have professional psychiatrists, medical doctors, psychologists, social workers, as well as our spiritual counselors that know how to minister life and Jesus Christ 
to the hurting alcoholics and drug addicts that we have here in Ecuador. Yo vengo de una adicción de 25 años de haber consumido drogas y de alcohol mucho más. Llegué a sentirme una carga, un estorbo dentro de mi casa. Pues siendo padre de familia yo era el delincuente dentro de mi casa. Porque yo no aprendí a robar fuera de la casa, sino dentro de mi casa. Pero gracias a la misericordia de Dios, gracias a este lugar desafío juvenil, mi vida ha cambiado. Hoy soy pastor, soy maestro, soy consejero, he recuperado la confianza, el amor, el respeto en mi casa. Y hoy puedo decir que en verdad soy la cabeza de mi hogar. La forma de trabajo de desafío juvenil y de los profesionales acá es con terapia individual, con terapia grupal, consejería para sus familias y hacer que el paciente vaya tomando conciencia y vaya aprendiendo formas de manejo adecuadas para que sirvan, para que puedan tomar decisiones trascendentales con su vida y puedan reintegrarse a la familia y a la sociedad. Contarles que mi área es, involucra a todo lo que concierne a la familia y al paciente, específicamente lo que corresponde a situación socioeconómica. Poderles ayudar que por la situación económica no se quede ninguna persona fuera de un proceso de recuperación en esta área de las adicciones. Me siento feliz, contento, soy un nuevo, nuevo hombre, siempre confiando en las enseñanzas que aprendí aquí. Gracias a Dios soy una nueva criatura, gracias por todo. Y espero seguir adelante, pero siempre con la ayuda del Creador. Gracias y amén. Motivarles y animarles a las personas que existe un lugar donde cuenta con el apoyo en todas las áreas, técnico, profesional y espiritual. Decídase que estamos aquí esperándoles. Todos sean ustedes bienvenidos. Eh, este taller no es como para hacer trabajos para afuera, sino más bien es para que los jóvenes puedan aprender algo de lo que ellos hacen una capacidad que cada uno tiene. ¿no? Entonces, si ellos aprendieran a soldar o hacer algún trabajo de esto, es con el fin de que ellos puedan salir en el momento que ellos cumplan su programa, es con el fin de que ellos puedan salir de aquí a integrarse a la sociedad como también a la familia. Pero si ellos ponen gana y, y fe en hacer algo, en aprender algo, Sabemos que este pequeño trabajo afuera le va a ayudar mucho, que ellos puedan integrarse a un, a un trabajo donde ellos puedan entrar como ayudante. Y desde allí en adelante ellos pueden seguir ejerciendo una profesión. We appreciate your prayers and your support for this ministry and with God's grace we're going to continue another 21 years by his mercy and grace. Thank you. Thank you for watching that. If you're interested in supporting that, we're still needing more partners. There are sheets in the back there at the table for $20 a month. Um, we really need more support for that. 
we're getting guys all the time that come in have nothing and um, our partners help us to keep the door open to everybody and that's what our desire is and the original vision is is to keep the door open there used to be 60 uh, rehab centers in the uh, our province now there are seven uh, incredible government regulations incredible uh, things have happened and we're one of the seven and we're the biggest and we're preaching Christ and uh, bringing many families to Christ too every Sunday we have evangelistic services for the families that come in uh, to the center so we're very much uh, bringing people to the Lord so if you're interested in that on the table there's a, a paper for that if you want to support that mini- this ministry um, I'm going to just share for a few minutes here some thoughts um, let's go to Psalms um, 68 for a minute and uh, you know uh, talk about the uh, excitement the excitement of uh, you know escapes from death and deliverances uh, getting pulled out of the jungle you know when I had eight more hours to hike and uh, an airplane just happens to hit exactly in this village exactly the moment we're there and uh, when everything else is closed down and uh, all kinds of exciting things in the way that God's protected us and, and uh, helped us to live, you know. Um, should have been killed in the highway. Um, that's in one of the chapters in the car. Uh, falling down a 400-foot cliff, God stopped that. Drowning in the sea in, in Costa Rica in the riptides. And the Lord delivered us and sent three giant waves against the riptides and saved us. Those are all exciting things, but something more exciting than that is how he keeps us every day. 30 years is almost 10,000 days. You've got to live life on a daily basis, and that's the biggest thing. But let's read Psalms here. Psalm 6820, um, 6820 is, uh, is the reason to, for the, the subtitle there in the book, um, our God is a God who saves from the, uh, from the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. And that has happened so many times. Psalm 33, 18 and 19. You can just jump back a few pages to Psalm 33, 18 19. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. God knows how to do that. We're not the only ones who have testimonies. You, many of you, have these testimonies here. How God has kept you and saved you from dying and kept you for his purposes. But the most important thing, I believe, and the thing that keeps us there is our daily connection with God. I would come here at different times for early morning prayer and um, sing that song, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That would just bring life uh, into me as we used to worship and just just lift our hands, lift our hearts before God and say, Lord, this day I need something. I am so exhausted. I am so discouraged. I'm so tired. I'm so whatever. One time, this is a two months ago, I had to go to the jungle. It's an eight-hour drive down into the jungle. The last several hours are pretty rough. And I was just so beyond exhausted, beyond tired. And it's like, and I felt it was a satanic attack. It wasn't just physical. I go, this is beyond. I just need to get into the truck. I need to get in and drive. Just get in the truck 
and drive. Just get in and drive. Of course, at four in the morning, right? Because <laughs> we got to get down, you know, start take off early. And God, just help me. Just get into the truck and start driving. And little by little by little, he broke it. He broke this satanic thing off, this attack. That time, a couple months ago, more happened. More incredible miracle Miracles and, and just uh, things for the whole future happened that trip that Satan was coming full bore to keep me from that one trip and it was so important I make it. When you feel an extra resistance, when you feel something that is more than just exhaustion, you have a suspicion that the enemy is trying to resist uh, what God has in mind and just cry out, say, Lord, just get me into the truck. Just get me in there. Just help me to just to get just get me there. Just you know, and then from whatever happens, and then uh, and then you'll be amazed as I look back and different times. Just getting you there. Just say, Lord, I just you just have to get me there. But but we need that daily refreshment. Psalm fifty one created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in within me. Cast me not from your presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then will I teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted unto thee. He gets our hearts in the right place and keeps our hearts in the right place. That is the most important thing. One of the chapters uh, in the book is, deals with dangers in the rivers, dangers in the mountains. I think it's chapter 26. Uh, Derek and Philip were with me a couple years ago and we were giving out the candies um, and the cookies in the, my main village, Kasutka and it's always a big uh, tradition they have there during Christmas time we had a great service there a number of hundreds of people were in attendance and uh, just a powerful time the next day we're going to hike the eight hours out four hours to the river another four hours up to the, where this bus comes in and we had to cross the river. And so we go to the river in Mamayak, where all the giant anacondas live under the caves. And uh, Nelson, I call him Nelson Anaconda, saw one several years ago, about like that, that thick. <laughs> it would be a 60-footer. And uh, he couldn't see the head. It was curled around a huge rock. And, uh, and so he, cause he couldn't see that. He had a 12-gauge uh, a with him, but... Uh, Felt he didn't want to take a chance and uh, took off running. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, that village is there. And, you know, you can live there your whole life and never see one. You know, they live under the, these caves in the river. Uh, he saw one that day. That's why I call him Nelson Anaconda. Uh, and he was in the 60s, first time he'd ever seen one, and a giant one at that. We got to that village and uh, couldn't get across. The guys there said, no, it's too flooded we can't get across now go up to Karink an hour hike it's better there it's easier to get across so we hike on another hour up to Karink and the canoe is on the other side of the river 250 yards on the other side of the river and we're sitting there okay here we are and we're yelling and yelling yelling you know for whoever has the canoe to bring it over and uh, nobody comes and Derek says to Philip come on Phil let's swim it This is 12 mile an hour current, whirlpools. It is, you know, 80, 100 foot deep. Uh, it's a tributary, major tributary of the Amazon. 
it is a major monstrous river. And of course, both of them had, have had special forces training. River, Derek just had all this river training, but nothing like this. And I said, oh, Lord. And uh, I said, well, Yvonne, our guide there, I said, Yvonne, we've got to pray until they get across this thing. And so uh, they go up about a quarter of a mile to get a good start because it, it's coming so fast, they're going to get swept, you know, as far as, far as making lateral movement, it's going to be difficult. And so um, they get way, way, way up there, dive in and start swimming their hearts out, just start stroking really strong and um, make good progress till they get about in the middle. The middle is where the major current is. And then they uh, bump into each other, had a little crash there and then a separation. They said, oh, this isn't good. And, uh, and they don't seem to be able to break out of that middle current. I mean, this is now several minutes and they're, and they're battling and there's this beach down there. They have to hit that beach. If they don't hit it, they're going to end up in Brazil. <laughs> I mean, it's like that's the way it looked. And so we're praying, 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 crying out to the Lord, Lord God, this would not be a good Christmas present to bring Debbie. Uh, her two sons have gone on to heaven. We'll have to see them there later. And uh, just incredible. They just barely, barely, barely make the beach, both of them, just with nothing left. And, uh, and the funny thing about the whole story, Derek was so exhausted, his shorts in the meantime had fallen down to his ankles and he was given a full moon to the whole jungle could care less could care less he was just glad to be alive and Yvonne this the guide said that Schwar guy goes no one has ever swam across this ever ever so the you know so in Schwar lore and legend now the boys have made it across you know the Pastasa uh, during flooding and it, and it was incredible and uh but God's mercy was, was with them. I don't know if they want to do it again. I, don't, I haven't heard that they want to actually try that again. Uh, and so, the danger in the mountain was my prayer time when I go up to the condor's nest. There are always reports in all the guidebooks about the thieves up in the Pichincha Mountain. I've never seen them. I've seen people who have been attacked by them. I've never seen them until a couple years ago. And I go up there. I drive, drive my motorcycle about eight miles up the mountain, chain it, and where the antennas are, and then I walk several miles way up over two mountains up to the condor's nest to have a beautiful view of the city and have a prayer time. I usually do that every, about every month. And, uh, and so I get up there, and I just felt this gut check. Just, uh, just be on your toes. Go up over the first mountain, second mountain, coming down. All of a sudden, I see this flurry of activity way up there near the condor's nest over to the side. I said, what is that? And so I said, ah, what is that? So I uh, start hiking down through the valley, then up, halfway up the mountain, and it's like the Holy Spirit said, stop, just stop. So I just stopped, got a drink, and I just stood there. And I stood there and stood there for about 10 minutes. Usually I just do the whole hike, and then I get up over, over there. It's another half hour. But it was like he said, stop. And so all of a sudden, after about 10 minutes, these five men jump out of their hiding and rushed down the mountain. If I hadn't stopped, I would have been right where they are. If I didn't stop, I would have been right there. But I was 400 yards from them. We're 15,000 feet up, and, I'm, I'm, and I've got 400 yards. And Proverbs 22.3 comes to mind. The prudent man looks ahead and hides himself, but the foolish man continues on to suffer harm. 
I said, Lord, I want to be a prudent man <laughs> at this time. And uh, we, were, we were an isolated area. We were miles from anybody. And this is, these, were, these were not tourists up there. These were thieves. And it's like the Lord said, just turn around and start hiking. And uh, I know where the secret paths are that I can skirt around the mountains, the, the ancient paths. I know right where they are because I've been up there 30 years. And, uh, but I can't go too fast. If I go too fast, I'll pass out. I'm 15,000 feet. If I go too slow, they will catch me. <laughs> I don't have anything to defend myself with except my two walking sticks, you know. And so to try to keep that kind of control, not too fast, not too slow, just move ahead and get on to the hidden paths where you can lose them. And God gave me the grace to be able to do that and uh, escape them. And they never got me because they, they didn't know where the paths were. They're, they were hidden and I could get to them. And uh, all kinds of things. And I've gone up there a number of times since then. I'm not going to let them stop me from going up to, to have quiet times with the Lord. But uh, God knows how to keep us precisely where each one of us is in these dark and perilous days. He just knows how to do it and how to keep his hand on us. Not just for me in the mission field, for everyone here stateside. God has a way of doing that. And um, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to do that. Let's ask him to really give us a, a listening ear. Father, we just thank you. You're so good to us, Jesus. You know about everything. You're not surprised at anything. The earthquakes, Lord, even uh, several weeks ago, you prevented us, Lord, from going to Perdonales, where we would have been crushed in that hotel. We would have been crushed if we'd gone through with our plans, but you didn't let us go there. Lord God, you know how to keep us, Lord. And not just Debbie and I, Lord, but so many here, so many years, you've done the same thing for your purposes, Lord. And we thank you for it, and we're grateful, and we don't take it for granted, Jesus. Keep this missions-minded church burning brightly, oh God, here in Syracuse. Keep them, Lord, burning brightly, Lord, in, in Haiti and around the world, wherever they go, Lord, that they will be a powerful representation of Jesus Christ. They've had a big, big part in Debbie and my ministry all these years, Lord. And with your grace, Lord, for more to come. Bless them, Lord. Bless Pastor Doug and the leadership here to keep that fire, that fervor, Lord, that keeps on reaching out beyond their own borders, Lord, to all over the world. Bless them, Lord, as they've been a great blessing to us. Help us, Lord, as your sheep be able to hear, discern, and obey your voice. Thank you for keeping us, Jesus. In your precious name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have you stand here with me. Is this on? No? Is it on now? It's on now. You know, we've entered into a stage in the Assemblies of God where missionaries come in all different styles and, and aspects, and there's a lot of missionary work that's taking place around the world from within the states. And for us to have missionaries that are actually still living in country and, and still living in the dangerous areas of our world is growing less and less. This is a family that, in my mind, this is missionary work. This is what it means when you come back and you tell stories about hiding from people because you know where the secret paths are. I'm just th thinking, you know, I'm glad you knew where they were. So am I. And I'm wondering how you knew that they were there. I took them a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask Debbie if she would come in. In just a moment, we're going to take an offering, and we're, the offering that we're taking today is going to go toward that truck. 
uh, so that they can have more money toward that to, to help them get where they are at. But um, there's never a missionary that comes through Grace Assembly that we don't take time and pray for because as the board out in the foyers depicts, our missionaries are our fingers and our hands extended to places in the world where we will never go. But because we support them, the souls that come to Christ through their ministries are souls that are accredited to you because you listened to the Lord when he instructed you to support them. And this family comes from Grace Assembly, and, and we take credit for everything you do. We pray for you on a regular basis. Your kids are like our kids, and uh, we celebrate every time there's a new grandbaby born. And 12 days was not enough. She needs to stay home with that. We, we give her permission to miss church today. Uh, but I'm going to ask that you would stand with me and that you would extend your hand forward.